You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I've gotten myself into the online betting. Ed, I, oh, I have you now. Hey, yeah, through the uh, Socks in the Basement Sportsbook? I got into it because we have the, the preferred sportsbooks now at SocksInTheBasement.com. And, right. And I only got into it because of that because it was like, well, I can't talk about it if I don't use them all, right? If I don't try all the different offers and the bonus bets and the extra money that you basically get if you And, and it's and, fun, isn't it? I've done a little bit myself, but I have not won any money because I'm terrible at it. Yeah, so. I'm up 500 bucks. From my oh, my original hey, good for you. hundred dollar investment, I'm 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 just kind of plugging away on little bets. I won fifty bucks last night on a ten dollar bet because I waited till late in that game between the Braves and the Phillies, and the the Braves are about to go down 0-2, and they're down by three, and or and they might have been down by four at that point, and I bet the money line that they were going to come back because I just believed there was no way the Braves were going down 0-2. Like, in my mind, baseball is all about probability, right? I mean, that's the whole thing behind Moneyball, correct? Like, the idea when you're looking at these different metrics and you're trying to analyze the numbers in baseball over 162 games, you you can't predict every individual game or every inning or every at-bat, but you can say the probability that the numbers will even out by the end is fairly high. And so, if I believed at the beginning of the series that there was no way the Braves were going down 0-2 at home. It shouldn't matter to me midway through game two if I believe that there's no way they're going down. And so I, I waited until I could get the most amount of money out of it. Like my kid's sitting next to me on the couch. I go, I'm going to bet that the Braves come back. And he goes, really? I'm like, 10 bucks. Put 10 bucks down and we'll see if they come back. And if they come back, I'm winning 50. And that's exactly what ends up happening. And what a fun game, too, that that was. Oh, yeah. I'm glad that the Braves won because it it put down this, this argument, this weird argument, that somehow it's bad to have rest in the postseason. That somehow the teams that got the bye are at some sort of a disadvantage, which I do not get. And by the way, if you want to check out the sports books, go to SoxInTheBasement.com and check them out, okay? But... You know, that that idea, I think, is just so silly. Last year, of the four teams that had a bye through the first round of these new expanded playoffs, three of them won game one. So I don't know how you're you're off or you're rusty or you've kind of lost it if you're winning game one of the AL or NLDS. And this year, I think it's two and two. But this idea, this argument that because you get rest, you become cold, and the other team is hot, so they're going to beat you. I don't, I don't think there is that kind of momentum in baseball. No, I, I mean, there's momentum in baseball. You, you can't deny that, that you see a team that goes out on a heater, especially during the regular season, or a team that gets hot through the playoffs that seems you know, kind of unstoppable in some ways. That, that momentum doesn't exist, but the idea that your momentum is halted or that as a team that proved yourself superior to the wild card teams or to some of the other division winners in the regular season, that somehow your talent diminishes, like like the the talent atrophies like a bunch of muscles, and you're left to this withered husk of what you were because you took five days off in between the end of the regular season 
and when the ALDS or the NLDS started. That that seems to be a little ridiculous. I mean, I would I would sit there and think that most of the players, while they might feel a little, you know, a little ring rust, a little a little bit of a, of a of a delayed reaction or something like that, maybe your timing or something. For the most part, I'm guessing they probably feel a little bit better because. You know that little that little pull in the hamstring or the little tweak in the back. You know the shoulder barking at you a little bit. Some of that stuff probably went away. Meanwhile, the other team is sitting there going, you know, they had to throw it all on the line for a wild card, uh, and, and and they had to, you know, they had to sit there and, and pour out really for one game, right? They had to sit there and put everything that they had into it. I don't I don't see where there's a massive disadvantage to taking that time off. What I do think ends up happening is it's still tied to whoever lined up the rotation better, right? Yes, that's the thing. It's the rotation. that, And you don't get to line up your rotation. If you're going and you're trying to get into the thing, and then once you get into the thing, you got to get right into the wild card. You could be completely off. Yeah, you could get hot for a little while, but at some point, the other team's advantage is going to show through. Like, this is the kind of discussion I could imagine sitting at Cork and Carry at the park or Cork and Carry over in Beverly and having with a, another White Sox fan. This is a barroom discussion right here, okay? Because what I would be doing at our proud sponsors at 33rd and Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark with two-for-one burgers when you dine in on Mondays with an extensive bar of the rotation of craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits, and wines. Uh, remember, you can see more at CorkandCarry.com. What I would be discussing there, the 2005 Chicago White Sox had to stop several times during that 11-1 run. That's what I would bring up to a Sox fan. Think of the amount of times they had to stop. When they won the ALCS, when they won the pennant, they had to sit around for several days and wait for Houston to beat St. Louis. That was just as long of a wait as sitting around and waiting for a three-game series to end in the first round. And then they went into the World Series and swept them. So this idea that rest is bad when they had the advantage of making sure the rotation was ready and anybody with a tweak could get that tweak taken care of and they were set up and ready to go, they can work out on the off days. They're not told that they have to go into some kind of you know, chamber and be locked up and frozen for three days where they don't get to swing a bat or throw a ball. I, I just don't buy the idea that the rest ruins a team. I think just some teams are better 162 game teams and some teams are better built for the playoffs. Well, and, and look at the bracket right now, right? Okay. So Texas is up two nothing on the, on the Orioles. Uh, the twins and Astros are one, one game apiece. Arizona is over the Dodgers right now. And uh, you know, two nothing, and then the Phillies and, and Braves, and and you can't tell me that if the Dodgers are in the process of choking away a playoff appearance here, okay, and and, and they're and they're struggling, and they're going to struggle, and Arizona rolls over them. Let's say Arizona sweeps them, and the Phillies go, you know, toe to toe with the Braves, and they end up taking it, you know, the NLDS all the way through. That we're not going to have Arizona sitting there for a couple of days to get that schedule sort it out. Arizona's going to sit, right? And they're going to sit between the NLDS and the NLCS as opposed to the wild card. And if the Braves go on, they're not going to sit even though they sat between the wild card and the NLDS. It's going to end up evening out. And like you said, with the White Sox in 2005, that series between St. Louis and the Astros took a lot longer than it took the White Sox to quickly dispatch the Angels in the ALCS. So they did. They sat waiting for the World Series to start, 
And you're going to see that again with at least one team. I, I guarantee you in this postseason, you're going to see one team that's going to sit there and have taken a couple of days off. But no one's going to say anything between the ALDS and the LCS or between the championship series and the World Series because really what they're, really what the beef is is that adding that extra wild card team kind of made a lot of fan bases think that their team had a chance when a lot of the teams were like the Cubs where they just absolutely flubbed it away at the end of the season by playing mediocre at best baseball. And you didn't really see like a great chase. No. And and that's the thing. There are teams in there that are lacking who really, I didn't believe had a real chance of going deep into the postseason. You're telling me the Marlins who got in at the end only because other teams started the fade we're going to beat the Phillies. I mean, I'm not surprised by that in any way whatsoever. Well, the, the Diamondbacks are actually a good example. Did you really see? Do you really see the Diamondbacks going to the World Series this year? No, I didn't. But here's the thing: I do see the Diamondbacks as a team that could beat the Brewers. The Diamondbacks have something that you need in the postseason. They have defense and they have pitching, and that's one of the things right. that will show up in in series. And if they get by the Dodgers, I don't know if they necessarily get by the next round but I get why they're doing what they're doing. I also understand why the Orioles are down 2-0 to the Rangers. Just because the Orioles did so well and they're like the feel-good story, they're a very young team where Texas has a lot of older players. They went out and built their team with vets. They, they made some big signings and spent some money, and they've got some arms on that team that can do things, and they've got some experience. I'm not surprised by the Rangers being up 2-0 as we sit here and record on, on the on the Orioles. I know people hate it because they're like, here's a five seed going up against a one and they're beating them right out the gate. But I, I if if somebody if somebody said put your hard earned money down on a team, how likely would you put it down on a team that's as young and unexpected as the Orioles? Like if they got back to the postseason next year and did it again, then I would sit there and say, okay, I, I believe in this team that they can go deep. It is very rare that a team shows up in the playoffs and then just runs through everything, and they're young, and they've never been there. It would be just as unrealistic to take something you know nothing about and try to figure it out on your own. I don't know anything about health insurance. Butch Zemar from Elite Benefits of America, who's been on this program before, knows everything there is to know about health insurance. Small business, big business, even your personal health insurance. Open enrollment is coming. If you're a business and you need to figure it out for your employees, if you're an individual insuring yourself, This is all Butch does. He's got the Elite Benefits Playbook. It's free. He's going to use it to analyze your situation and custom make everything for you. Business owners, CFOs, this is how you retain employees. Keep those increases every year down. Get the most bang for your buck. Go with experience because experience matters. Butch Zemar, 708-535-3006 or reach out to him at EliteBenefits.com. Dot net experience matters. Well, with the White Sox and 05 were a veteran team. They were actually. They were they were very much a veteran team. They they were not a young a, a young group. That's why the White Sox the, the the last iteration you know going up against the Astros a couple of years ago, uh, that kind of made a little bit of sense to us, didn't it? At the time that that the team wasn't quite prepared for their success, and when they went in into 2020, they weren't quite ready to have any kind of a postseason. So. A young team like the Orioles, yeah, I, I, I think that they're them having maybe them having rest did do something to them because they got a chance to sit there and be in their own heads about it, not just be dumb and play baseball as as I think some athletes like to do. 
and they got to sit there and think about what happens and you're on this stage and and what it means to be the Orioles in the playoffs for the first time in isn't it like 78 years or something like that? I mean, it, it, they haven't been in, in in decades, it feels like. So you could sit there and say that there's a mental component to it, but but that was going to happen to them anyway. If they are in the Twins position, if they were the worst of the division winners and they had to go up against the Blue Jays, there's a chance that the Orioles could have choked away in the wild card round against a Blue Jays team that's been there before because the Orioles might have just not been ready right they're they're just not ready if they get a couple of games if they get a couple of wins under their belt anything is possible but at this point yeah i'm not i'm not really shocked by where any of the any of these series are going and to your point at the start of the show about putting money on the braves because you just do not believe the braves are going down oh two in a series it's a pretty safe bet because we know what the Braves are at this point. We know what they're capable of, and we've seen what, what that organization has done, and there's enough players that carry over year to year to year that it's going to do it. And the Dodgers, I'm not surprised, are down 0-2 because they are at the end of that run. Oh, you can see it. Even J.D. Martinez in Game 2 after he hits the home run looks like Babe Ruth played by John Goodman trying to get around the base paths while he's oh, trying. Yeah. They are an old team that, I mean, look, they're going to rebound and get back, and they're probably going to be in the playoffs again next year. They're just not in that. They're not in their prime, right? They're a no, team they, that can play 162 and get into the postseason with this thing every year with the money they have and, and the way that they churn things out. But they are not prime Dodgers right now. They're, they're definitely not that. They're ripe for the taking. they got a young team that's taking them early on in this series. Yeah, and, and that's where, you know, the Diamondbacks, you wonder if the pitching is going to hold up. They've got... They've got good pitching, but do they have enough? Merrill Kelly has been just a star pitcher all year, and I only know that because I picked him up uh, uh, on my fantasy team, and he became he became more valuable than Max Scherzer was for me this year. Oh, like well, he yeah. he was like a high end pitcher this year, and you don't realize it if you're not paying attention to the other teams. And I think that's the thing. Like I look at this, I look at this right now, and you know I I can't imagine the Twins getting by Houston. Maybe no, it happens, but I just I, maybe. But Houston's pedigree not, right? doesn't make me believe it. And I, I think the Astros are going to destroy the Rangers. But pro- the probably. I mean, what an interesting ALCS! Like the Battle of Texas is that what's that's going to yeah, be? It's gonna which, be fun that's going to be fun. But I, right. I really, I honestly do think yeah. that the Astros have a, have a really clean path. And I hate that too because I hate the Astros. And I hate it. I, I hate, hate it with a passion. Yeah, I'm rooting for the Rangers, but I, I hate the Astros. And on the other side, I mean, I, I think that Arizona probably gets by the Dodgers because they've got them right now. They've got them pinned down. I I don't think they're going to let them up. The most intriguing series is the Phillies and the Braves because I think the winner of that is going to the World Series. I do too. I was going to say the NLCS is going on right now with Atlanta and Philadelphia. The World Series might be going on. Those might be the two teams that in the end I think have the best chance of winning it just because of the way that they're constructed. And that's why it is unfair that the Braves have to play the Phillies so early. They should be reseeding after that first round. Because it's so convoluted and you have all these wild card teams and one of them is a division winner and everything else. I really think the sixth seed should have had to take on uh, the Braves. It should have been Arizona and the Braves and the Phillies should have gone and played the Dodgers. And I think that that's probably how it should have gone. I do think that is unfair to Atlanta. I, I, I just believe it. On the other hand, it has made very intriguing matchups between two division teams and Arizona having a chance to knock off the Dodgers early. And what a story that would be. And the Braves and the Phillies are having, they just started what I believe is going to be an amazing series.
That music means only one thing. Dave Marin, the Sock Nerd, joins us right now to give us something nerdy. What do you got for us this week? Chris, one of the projects I undertook this offseason was digging up at least one nugget on each White Sox player. I'm doing this for a blog and in alphabetical order, and the Sox used a team record 56 players this season, so I haven't gotten very far, but here's what I've dug up so far. Tim Anderson hit one home run in 2023, and it was a game-starting shot on July 29th off Cleveland's Logan Allen. The last Sox player whose only homer of the season was a leadoff blast was Steve Sachs in 1993. In fact, Anderson and Sachs are the only Sox players to do this since at least 1950. One more on Tim. He finished 2023 with 98 home runs, which, in tribute to the recently passed Bob Barker, is the closest in Sox history to 100 homers without actually going over. There will be more on Timmy this winter, I'm sure, but that one lonely homer stood out to the nerd. Tanner Banks continued his mastery of the second hitter in the batting order in 2023. The left-hander emerged from the season, limiting the number two man to a measly 082-179-163 slash line in his career. All three of those numbers, plus the OPS of 342, are the lowest outputs in Sox history among pitchers who have faced the number two hitter at least 49 times in the last 50 years. The number two hitter is usually one of the best, if not the best, in the lineup, and Banks is a serviceable hurler. So this is one gem I both marvel at and struggle to comprehend. How about Andrew Benintendi? While it certainly didn't feel like it, Benintendi had one of the best seasons by a White Sox player in high-leverage situations in the last 50 years. In 2023, Benintendi slashed 368, 473, 461 in those situations. The average was the highest by a Sox player with a minimum of 76 at-bats since Adam Eaton's 390 and Connor Gillespie's 380 in 2014. Benintendi's OBP in this department and time frame is second only to Frank Thomas's 477 in 1997. Chris, while the above info would qualify all as zingers, I can't finish up without one. I saw Ringo Starr at the Chicago Theater on October 5th. Ringo and his all-star band played one song Ringo's other band, The Beatles, performed at Comiskey Park on August 20th, 1965, and that was Act Naturally. You wanted a guest who was totally stat crazy, and all I had to do is act naturally. That's it, Chris. Everything you wanted to know about game starting homers, facing the second hitter, high leverage situations, Ringo Starr, and my terrible singing. I did not expect singing, but I'll take it in the off season. Hey, man, whatever it takes. Anybody listening out there is going to be in the area of Tinley Park on the day this episode comes out. I'm heading over to Hailstorm Brewing Company for lunch. I should be there around noon. I'm actually filming a segment for Southside Pod, another podcast here on this network. They asked me what time I wanted to come over. I was like, let's do lunch. Scratch Kitchen now open 11 a.m. for lunch. Tuesday through Sunday, the smoked wings have already appeared on Chicago's Best. I'm probably going for the ham and Havarti wrap, though. The sliced ham, the Danish Havarti cheese, pineapple chutney, avocado, peppers, sliced red onion, shredded lettuce, tortilla. That sounds like the lunch for me. And then if I'm a good boy, I'll have the German-style alt beer, the good alt days. It's only 5.4%. It's perfect for lunch. It's a really good seasonal beer as well. And if I'm bad, I'll just get Dominatrix, one of the best IPAs you're going to get. A triple IPA at 11% currently on tap. 
Check out the big beer hall, the outdoor patio, the live music on the weekends, and so much more. 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue in Tinley. See more at hailstormbrewing.com. So we talk about the playoffs. Now the question becomes, how do we get back there? <laughs> I don't oh, I don't know when well, that's happening. Wasn't there an article in The Athletic shoot. just this week that basically said, don't count on it? Yeah, Jim Bowden you know, presented power rankings of the re- of the remaining teams in the league, the guys that aren't in the playoffs, right? So at the very top, he said, you know, the Padres have the best chance of getting into the playoffs again next year without doing having to do too much, right? And you got the Reds who were really hot and kind of, you know, they were a young team that kind of faded a little bit. Mariners had been a playoff team. They could get back. The Mets are going to buy everybody that they can to try and get back. So, you know, the, the Yankees, Red Sox, you, you scroll down through some of the Flotsam and Jetsam, and, you know, beneath teams that are really, really close, like the Washington Nationals and the Los Angeles Angels, you find the Chicago White Sox ahead of only the Rockies, Royals, and A's. And the A's, the A's are, are if there was a way to relegate the team back to AAA, the A's might have done it this year. <laughs> I want relegation in Major League Baseball. I do. I really kind of do, too. I want relegation in Major League Baseball because it would make Jerry Reinsdorf have to at least be better than what he is. Right. You couldn't right. you couldn't do the stuff, the junk that we've actually seen this team do. He would have to be afraid of ending up at the bottom of division of a division. And I don't think he would allow himself to get relegated. I would love relegation. But you're right. Like th- there are certain teams here that are a long way away. I don't think the Sox are a long ways away. I look at I look at the payroll possibilities in 25 and Chris Getz can basically do whatever he wants to. If he ignores 24 and says, I'm building for 25, and he can actually add pieces for 25 by signing three or four year deals in the offseason with people or making trades to get players that are under control, when he gets to 25, he can get out from underneath Yohan Moncada for $5 million. He can get out from underneath Eloy Jimenez if Eloy hasn't been traded already and he doesn't think that that is the piece or he wants to change the makeup of his team for $3 million, and he can finally let Aaron Bummer and the whatever that is when he comes walking out where I just feel a, a feeling of dread, he can let that dread go to someone else for $1.25 million. He will only be on the hook for Andrew Benintendi at 17.1 and Luis Robert Jr. at $15 million in 2025. Otherwise, you have ARB players, three guys you can buy out, and that's it. Everybody else is off the team. He has so much payroll flexibility for 25. They could remake how he spends. He can remake how he designs the team and he can walk into 2025 with a completely different White Sox team. And he should because this group couldn't do it. And I don't think you can believe that they will. He's got a piece in Luis Robert Jr., Right. He's got that for sure. He's going to still have that in 25. He's got a few other little pieces on the side that he's going to have. But in reality, he has ridiculous amount of payroll flexibility. And so with that payroll flexibility, he can go out this offseason and he can sign somebody to a couple year deal if he wants to address a position. He can make a trade to try to address a position. He can go get guys that are on the cusp because he believes that by 2025, they're contributors. And that's what I'm looking for him to do. Well, here's what Bowden said, right? After noting that they fired their top baseball executives, uh, he says that Getz is expected to be aggressive this offseason and rebuilding the Major League team, has already told his peers and other front offices there are no untouchables on the roster, although it's unlikely he consider moving center fielder Luis Robert Jr. This is where uh, White Sox fans should get a chuckle. The White Sox are hoping to get more out of Aloy Jimenez, Yohan Mankata, and Andrew Vaughn next year. Maybe Vaughn. Yeah. Maybe Vaughn. 
maybe I mean a lawyer a lawyer if he never gets injured but I don't believe that'll happen right I, I at this point I feel like that's 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 a hard thing he, for him to he do. is what he is it would just be amazing if you get him to get you like a 2b war by the end of the year like because he played enough games because it, it, like, it'd be amazing if you could get him over 80 games right exactly so I mean I think he is what he is and Yoan Mankata flashes when it doesn't matter I don't expect anything from him next year and 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 Andrew Vaughn may be the only hope just because he's earlier on his career in his career than those two guys and he you he may still have some room for development that's not a guarantee that's not me giving him a pass he needs to be a lot better than what he is he is a downer compared to the lineage that came before him over the last several decades so like you you need to get more out of him I think and and you might get it he's the only one that I feel like you might get it well, and here's the other two points, right? And these these are absolutely, I think, Bowden's spot on here. Want to focus on improving the team's defense yeah. and clubhouse culture. <laughs> clubhouse culture, that's, you know, that's a, that's a, an X factor that as fans we can only kind of guess at and hear about. Fun is winning and winning is fun, okay? I believe what Ozzy said. And, and, that, and, that's, and that's, I think, true too, right? If they're a winning team, clubhouse culture will take care of itself. The team defense, however... That would be a huge thing for them to improve on because... And it's cheap. Yeah. It's cheap. Defense is cheap. If you want to start making a team that's good defensively and you're willing to have your eight and nine hitter not be, you know, uh, superstar hitters at the plate, but you know that they can go up there and be average to slightly below average and actually contribute and get a little clutch hitting in and, you know, and be able to bunt guys over if it's necessary or advance a runner by putting the ball on the proper side of the field while they're making a productive out. If you could find those kind of guys who play really good defense, you can improve your team drastically without having to spend a lot of money because the hitting costs money and it costs far more money than the defense. Well, and to your point, think about 2005 and think about Juan Uribe, right? 252, 712 OPS, uh, all of 16 home runs, just, you know, struck out 77 times only, which was nice. Uh, but all in all, just a very kind of eh, season at the plate. I mean, nothing, nothing fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. But think about all of the defense that he gave them at shortstop that year. And, you know, his, his ability, like, to take a ground ball and chuck guys out at home, you know, on those on those bang-bang plays, or the catch he made in the World Series where he goes into the stands, right? Somebody like that, if the White Sox have something like that at shortstop, you don't necessarily need Tim Anderson as a superstar to be there because you can win with something like that. Uh, Would you take that at second base? Would I take Juan Uribe like at second base, somebody who is like, a, you know, a fantastic glove and, you know, passable at best, yeah. you know, at the, at the plate? Yeah. Would you take yeah, that? hundred? Uh, I, I would. What about Polanco from the twins? What about, what about him? There's a guy that over, over 80 games this past season and only 300 at bats had 14 home runs at 255 with an OPS of 789. Who's going to be available in free agency. There's, there's a guy right there. You sign to a multi-year deal and you solve second base. Yeah, and you give you know you give yourself a chance to draft his replacement because he's good for a few more years, right? I mean, I, now I got to now I got to check his 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 fielding stats, but something really I, and, and that's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, just look to it up see, because, like, is he? Because I'll be honest with you, there's something in me that believes he's a good fielder, and and like I'm convinced of it just off of his name and what I believe about him. But I could be completely wrong. So, so double check my double check my fielding stats. Because maybe, maybe I'm wrong, 
But I mean, I, I believe that at least I know he had a good season several years ago. He's had a couple of really good defensive seasons, but maybe he's an up and down guy. He's got a really high range factor when you look at his advanced yeah. metrics in 23 and 22. When he's at second base, he is a much better defensive player than when he's at short. Okay. When he played second right. base, it looks like he got a lot of games. He had 120 games or something in 2021 at second base, and he had like four or five defensive runs saved and a range factor of four and a half. I mean, yep, like that's that, that that guy can play. That guy can play and, defense. And, and and he's had some injuries over the last couple of years. Maybe that sapped some of that range. But right. But to to your point, maybe not pinning our hopes to Jorge Polanco, but. In remaking the team, if Getz were to sit there and say, look, the premium I'm placing is on their ability to handle their position, and the offense that we get is going to have to come from certain players, and sitting there saying, okay, Andrew Vaughn, it's on you. Our DH position has got to be somebody that we can count on to hit and stay healthy. So that might mean moving on from Aloy Jimenez. Uh, you know, Looking at, we've talked about the buyout of Tim Anderson and whether or not you bring him back. Maybe looking at it and saying... We know we don't get the offensive production out of Elvis Andrews that Tim Anderson is capable of, but if his defense is better, right, and if he is going to handle the position better, then that's okay for 24, and it might even be okay into 25. Not saying that Elvis Andrews needs to be there in 25, but you can you can pick some positions like that. You can do that to a certain degree with uh, the infield. You can definitely do that behind the plate if they really like you know somebody defensively behind the plate and who's going to handle the pitching staff, and you're not going to get much offense. The Astros have been winning with Martin Maldonado and his awful bat for for years now, right, because he's just so good behind the plate. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if Getz does do what Bowden's suggesting, improve the defense, and that would be a marked departure from what I felt like was the Kenny Williams, Rick Hahn, fantasy baseball Everyone in is going to be a superstar at the plate. Everyone is. We talked about everybody's offensive potential, but we never. You know, Gavin Sheets should have never been in right field. Andrew Vaughn should have never been in right field. There, there never should have been any discussion really about Andrew Vaughn as a third baseman or second baseman. Truly, and you didn't have to sit here and, and hang your hat on Yohan Moncada's offensive potential the entire time when you could have just simply said, "Look, we're just we're just happy that he's." good at third base when when he feels like being good at third base so that would be an interesting thing to me too because if they follow the diamondbacks model for example of focusing on pitching and defense and you know getting young guys who can handle their positions and then getting young arms who can you know really who can really pitch and, and investing their money there completely different field of the roster probably a lot more competitive of a team and frankly even if they're young and you know, feel a little overmatched at the plate. How many times in winning a World Series in 2005 did the White Sox pull out a one-run victory? How many times did you sit there and say, hey, they're just keeping the other team in check long enough that maybe they can make a little bit of magic happen in a late inning? Maybe they can get to some guy who's going to go out there and have a bad game. Doesn't mean they did it every time, but you you felt like even with that veteran squad who could play defense, who could pitch, who could keep the other team in check, that the bat didn't need to be it didn't need to be everybody that was coming up to the plate felt like they could hit you know the dramatic light tower destroying game tying or game winning home run you really were just looking forward to like you know if you rebake and throw this guy out at the plate now that we got the bases loaded and one out 
and they get a ground ball to short, maybe we got a chance to get out of this inning and then, uh, oh, look, Paulie's coming up. That that felt like what you needed. And for the, the White Sox next year, maybe it's something like that where, hey, look, if we can keep it close, Luis Robert Jr.'s due up in the bottom of the ninth. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.